good morning, everyone. It is great to be with you, wherever you're joining us from, in York or further beyond. And as, and um, as we just uh, get through this morning, what I, my heart really is, is just kind of really what Dave started with, that idea of waiting on God and that expectancy for more. And really, I hope that really comes through this morning. We're carrying on, kicking on with our series in James, which John started last week. If you didn't get a chance to um, see or um, hear that, I really would encourage you to go along and listen to that, watch that. It was a really good way of just introducing what we are looking at in the book of James. Um, and this series were called Faith Works. John introduced us to a few different things. And I wanted to recap some of it just because I'm going to pick up some of those things this morning. So um, James is the half-brother of Jesus. He was a leader of the early Jerusalem church. He described himself as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's perhaps the earliest book in the New Testament written to a rapidly growing church, but one was now for the first time facing persecution. And that's kind of the context in terms of what um, James is saying as we read it. The key message of the book is what we do is because we are saved. It is our response to being saved, not what we do to be saved, but because we are saved. And there are four things John said last week that really I want to build on this morning. The first is that faith trusts there's an upside. Faith relies on God's wisdom. Faith changes how you see yourself. And faith turns trials into triumphs. So today we're going to carry on looking at the next passage um, from James um, in chapter 1, verses 12 through to 18. So I'm going to start just reading um, from verse 12. If you've got your Bibles open, I'd encourage you to read along with this. The words also are going to appear on the screen. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test of time, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth with the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits for all he created. So I'm just going to kick off with a prayer as we get into this. Father God, I just want to pray for this morning. I just want to pray that we will hear from you. Um, I want to pray um, that we'll have no technical glitches, that um, sound will be good, and that we can, instead of worrying about all the technicalities, we can actually just listen to what you have got to say for us this morning as you speak through these verses about how we can resist temptation. And how can we remember that you are the giver of good gifts? Amen. So a word of warning at the moment, and to be honest, this really applies all the time. Be careful what you read in the comment sections online or on social media or on the internet. It can often be quite soul-destroying. Um, it's something I've noticed, again, as with any sort of major national or global event, you end up with people asking things like, well, why did God send this disaster or this virus? And it comes to this sort of philosophical view that God is some sort of puppet master or this sort of idea of fatalism. This, this was always bound to happen. That's not the view the Bible presents. While we see many images of God ultimately being in control, God's not a puppet master. See, right at the beginning in Genesis, we see a loving and creator God give dominion of this world to humans. 
in the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, it serves an example of humanity's failing. God provided everything we could ever want or need. There was a tree that brought eternal life. But they listened to a deceiver, the serpent. They listened to doubt and they acted on it. God gave them a warning and they didn't listen to it. And we see this pattern repeated throughout the Bible. God sees and hears the people, the Israelites. He looks out for them, protects them, provides for them. But they fail time after time. There's a whole book in the Old Testament, the book of Judges, where it's all about this repeating cycle of the people being in desperate need and crying out to God and God seeing them and sending someone to help them and then them turning back to God and worshipping him and then going right back and going through their failings all over again. See, James in this passage talks about temptation and trial. In the Greek and Hebrew words in the Bible, they're the same word. The distinction between the two really depends on your motivation, the intent behind it. Is the purpose of tearing down? Well, that's temptation. Is it to build up? Well, then it's a trial. See, throughout the Bible, God is not the one tempting people to sin, to walk away from their vocation, from their life given to them. God is the one pleading with them to stay on course, to stay on the right track, to stay running the right race, or whatever metaphor you want to use. God is the one rescuing them when they mess up, calling them back, forgiving them. Um, a little side plug here, but um, before um, the whole uh, coronavirus hit, we were running a series of equip groups um, in church, and I was running through one on Through the Bible, and I'm actually looking to restart that in a couple of weeks. So if anyone is interested in that, um, details will be coming out soon about that. And see, that's the story throughout the Bible we see. This idea that people keep falling for temptation and giving in to sin. And then as the New Testament begins, Jesus steps into the scene and he does something remarkable. He lives a life without sin, staying on the right track. He gives us an example of what real living is and can be. One of the first thing all four gospel writers mention in his life is his baptism. It's an incredible moment we pick up at the end of Matthew chapter three, starting at verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This was the start of something new, a sort of new creation beginning. We carry on then into uh, Matthew chapter four. Right at the beginning, it says, then Jesus is led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Don't know about you, but after 40 days and 40 nights of not eating anything, I would definitely be hungry. And the 40 days in the desert is significant. It, it reminds us about the 40 years the Israelites were in the desert, a symbol of what happens when you don't follow the path God has laid out for you. I came across um, a really interesting uh, meditation by Pope Francis um, from a few years ago, and he said this in that, that both at the beginning of creation and the beginning of the recreation, temptation was the first event. See, temptation is an invitation to sin, Sin is that which is anti-God. God doesn't do that. God cannot do that. But God will allow us to go through times of trial. The message translation of this first part of James says this. Don't let anyone under pressure to give in to evil say, God is trying to trip me up. 
God is impervious to evil and puts evil in no one's way. The temptation to give in to evil comes from us and only us. We have no one to blame but the leering, seducing flare-up of our own lust. Temptation is a human trait. It comes from us. During these 40 days in the desert, we're told that he was tempted by the tempter, the devil. Jesus goes into the desert full of the Holy Spirit, and it's the power of God in him that allows him to resist temptation, not to give in, but to resist, to go through this time of trial. And how does he answer the temptation? He refuses to get into dialogue with the devil, but rebuts him. Three times the devil tempts him with the physical need in hunger, with fame and with power. The devil twists God's word to try and take his eyes off the truth. He tries to deceive him, just like he'd done in the garden with Adam and Eve. In the same way, we can get into those sort of never-ending arguments in common sections online that just go back and forth, and where people twist and manipulate what has been said before. See, Jesus stands firm knowing, remembering, and being obedient to the word of God. James later in his letter, in James um, chapter 4, verse 7, promises us that if we are obedient in times of trial and temptation, we will resist the devil and he will flee from us. We're currently in a very unique situation where we've been tempted in many ways. Being at home presents itself with many challenges. Boredom can lead to a lot of different temptations. And we need to be wary of the way we can be tempted. We will experience temptation. It's our human nature. But temptation is not sin, and we must make that distinction. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, there's this incredible verse that says, For we do not have a high priest, and that's talking about Jesus, who is unable to sympathise with our weakness, but we have one in every respect who has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Jesus lived a life like us. He went through trials. He was tempted in every way. Anger, lust, gluttony, greed, pride. All those things we can struggle with on a daily basis, Jesus battled with. He experienced what we do. He was tested just like we are. Yet he showed us there is another way. Jesus showed us that we can overcome temptation. We need to be careful as Christians that we don't allow self-condemnation for being tempted. The reality is temptation is normal. It doesn't mean we're bad people. It just means we're human. Luke says at the end of Jesus' 40 days in the desert that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. See, Jesus came out. He left the desert more powerful than when he'd entered. He went through these trials. He went through these temptations at the beginning of his public life so that his power would be present throughout his ministry. Obedient results in power. When we come through a time of trial, God is not only glorified, we are strengthened. We build resistance and endurance. We are strengthened in confidence, in the knowledge, in the certainty of who God is. We allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, to fill that part of ourselves that we've rid of pride, rid of our own needs, of our own cravings, of our own agenda, with his spirit, with his power. God allows times of trials for this reason. If we choose to listen to the deceiver, we can assume the worst in God. But if we know God, if we remember who God is and his promises, we can assume the best, even in the most trialing of times. And that changes how we respond. 
See, the devil seeks to harm. He seeks to kill and destroy. He wants to tear us down. He wants us to turn our back on God and choose sin. And it can be easy to think that because we struggle with something, we may as well just give in. We may as well just say, well, we're so, it's, we're so far gone that we may as well just give in to that temptation. But that's a lie from the enemy. That's the whole point of temptation. It wants us to give in. We can have resistance. We can have endurance. But that only comes through times of trial. If you think about it, and um, I heard Caleb um, say this in the video yesterday, and it's something that I know I've said before, is um, I'm someone who is marginally taken up running over the last couple of years. And a big hello to all you um, gateway isolation runners at the moment. And I remember when I started um, about a year and a half ago, I could barely run to the bottom of my street without being out of breath. But over time, as I do it more continually, I build that resistance. I build that endurance in my body to be able to go further and for longer. The only way we build spiritual endurance is to go through spiritual trials. But we need to pace ourselves. In the same way, I can't jump from my slow 5Ks into a marathon. And that's where faith comes in. We need to not listen to lies, but listen to the truth. And listening doesn't mean just putting our headphones on and listening to the Bible in our ears. When the Bible says listen, it's an action word. To listen is to act. I don't know about you that are parents, but um, in an evening when I say to my children, go and put your pajamas on, and I go 10 minutes later upstairs and they're still running around without their pajamas on, and I say, did you not listen to me? And they sort of look at me and go, yeah, but they haven't done anything. That's not true listening. It's not just hearing the words, it's acting on them. It's doing it, it's acknowledging what's being said and acting upon them. Jesus was faithful for the, to the Father. He was obedient. And in Jesus, we see we don't have to give in to temptation. With the spirit of God in us, that is the promise for all those that follow Jesus, that we can have his power in us, we can overcome, we can receive that crown of life that James talks about in this passage. Jesus shows us that faith works. That's what the message of James is all about, faith in action. Because we have faith, we listen and obey, not through guilt or fear, but because we have been saved from death and destruction. We see what we've been saved from and the life we now get to live. See, Adam and Eve gave into temptation because they thought they were missing out. The world will make you believe that if you stay with God, you'll miss out. But I've got really good news for you this morning, because that's what the gospel is, good news. What you miss out on by following Jesus, it's worth missing out on. But what you miss out on by not following Jesus, it's not worth missing. In Jesus, we are promised life and life to the full. Adam and Eve had that. They had life in abundance, but they were deceived. James implores us not to be deceived because deception leads to believing lies. And when we allow those lies to birth in us, sin arrives and that ultimately leads to death. See, because they listened to those lies and acted on them, they hid in the garden because of their sin, because of actively choosing to do what God had said not to, they hid. So my challenge for you this morning is, are you hiding from God? What are you hiding from God? by having encouragement. See, Jesus went to the cross and on the cross, he took all our sin. He took every instance when we give in to temptation. 
It was nailed on that cross and he dealt with it there so that we don't have to suffer the consequences. In him, we can have life. We celebrated Easter just a couple of weeks ago, and that's the hope and message of Easter. That sin and death is dealt with, and in him we have this new life. We can be born again. We can be part of a new creation. James says it, and we're going to read again these last few verses, starting at verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be kind of a first fruits of all he created. We can be part of something new and something greater. Jesus um, in John chapter eight says this as well. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Do you want to be set free? Do you want to be set free from sin and temptation? To be set free, we have to listen to truth. We have to change our thinking. For many people, these past few, few weeks and even months have led to all sorts of difficult emotions, challenges, uncertainty, pain. We refer to our current predicament as an enforced lockdown. We recognize that we've lost. And the natural response to loss is grief and sadness, which kills joy. And this is something I've really been reflecting on a lot recently. Um, my brother is a pastor in Colorado in the States, and they've really been exploring for quite a while now this idea and importance of joy. I, in fact, joined in um, on a Zoom meeting they had early in the week when they've been hosting a series of um, sessions looking at how we can bring joy during this time. Um, they had a special guest being interviewed, which was actually our mum. Hi, mum, because I know you're watching this morning. And she's done a master's in neuroscience and joy. And there's a couple of things that she said that really stood out and spoke to me. She said that we have to refrain our narrative. To give you an example, if, if I said I was going to force you to go through a series of grueling physical challenges first thing in the morning that pushed you to be in sometimes quite a lot of pain, you know, I could be considered sadistic. Or I might just be called Joe Wicks. See, we have to refrain how we look at something. We're not in lockdown. We're safe at home. We're protecting ourselves. We're protecting our family. We're protecting the NHS as we keep hearing. We are being loving neighbors by not putting a burden on others by being selfish. We need to change our mindset. The question my mum asked in the session is something that we've been asking over a few weeks at church is, what are you grateful for today? See, when we go through trials, it's good to look back and remember times that God has been faithful when he's been good to us, when he's protected us. Times when we found difficult and he's helped us, carried us through. Remembering, knowing that we can rely on him. Our eldest daughter, Rachel, um, has recently put back on a bracelet that she made um, at church a while ago, and it just has the word faithful on it. And we've talked as a family recently about how it's important in difficult times to remember, God is faithful. And when you remember, when you relive these moments, you actually create pathways in your brain. And my mum said, if you build up these bank of memories, these, these times when you can remember the good, the joy, they strengthen the pathways in your brain and your engagement with joy will increase. And it's so important for us to make sure in times when we are struggling that we can go back and remember 
God. We can remember who he is, the promises he's made. We can strengthen those pathways so that joy can increase, can rise in us. So if we look back at the beginning of Genesis, we see that man and woman were created for each other. They were created as part of a community where they found joy in each other. They could have joy in amongst being with God. Now, I know for many of us right now, we can feel very alone. We can feel very isolated because some people are stuck at home on their own or just not being able to go and interact with people like we usually do. But one thing that struck me over these past few weeks is the way community has risen up and come together. Never, never more have I been aware of my need for others. But community looks really different at the moment. We've been having our virtual life group, our small group meetings for a number of weeks now. Um, and to be honest, it's been the highlight of my week. We come together and share the good and the challenges together while sitting in our lounge and seeing everyone else sitting on their own sofas. And what's really struck me this week was mentioned about the goodness of God that we see in people, their generosity, their kindness, their looking out for their neighbour. What stood out is the small things are actually the big things. Um, Lisa, someone in our group, hi Lisa, um, has diligently been getting the Witherick's food shopping for weeks. In fact, I bumped into her on Thursday from a safe social distancing point of view. Um, in Tesco. And, you know, it's a small act, but it's huge. It blesses them. It looks out for them. It helps bring them comfort and joy. And as a church, and as we mentioned this morning already, we've been looking about how not trying to survive this time, but to thrive. For many of us, we're in the fortunate position where we're experiencing actually a forced rest. Some of the business, busyness of life has been taken away. Now, I know that's not everyone. Some of those on the front line, key workers in many sectors of life are now busier than ever. But for many of us, we've been forced to stop and to rest, to stay at home. We need to be wary of temptation, but there is an amazing moment here to find joy in rest. Rest is something we need more of. It's a direct commandment from God. You know, I found how wonderful it's been just to be a step outside and hear the birds singing every day. You know, to see pictures on the internet of wild animals exploring parts of the world they've not been able to for so long. I've been able to have so much more time with our kids at home and doing work on this table. And it's not always a brilliant, but actually for the most time, it's been rewarding and being able to cherish that time. For me, Nina, we've had so much more time to be with each other. And I know I've had more time to stop and actually spend time with God. Rest is essential for us to be whole. And as I finish, I just want to go to that last line in this passage in James, that we might be a kind of first fruits for all he created. See, the Jews would bring the first fruits of the harvest as an offering to God, a way of saying thank you. But it was a sign that there was more to come. One day, the Bible speaks that the whole of creation will be transformed, filled with God's light and life. As our lives are transformed by the word of God, the word of truth the gospel, we learn to reframe our narrative, to look at the world differently, standing firm against temptation and being part of something much bigger than ourselves. God didn't send this virus, but he can use the horrible situation we find ourselves in globally to bring about good, to bring joy. Let's not miss it.